This particular message, I'm just going to start out by saying, was a doozy for me. Because it's a simple subject, love. But the thing that I've learned in my years of being a Christian is nothing is ever as simple as it sounds. Especially when it's something like love. So with that being said, brief synopsis, this has taken place a mere hour's before Jesus is arrested, before he's going to make the ultimate sacrifice. So they're sitting there, him and the 12 are sitting there, they're having their last supper together. And Jesus just drops the bomb on them. He says, look guys, my time has come. This is happening. I'm not going to be with you very much longer. And I'm sure probably Peter was like, what? And then he went on to describe what they could expect to happen in the coming days. He talked a little about, hey, don't grieve because I'm sending you the comforter, the Holy Spirit. So he was kind of telling them, hey, even though I'm going, it's going to be okay. And it's kind of where we pick up in John 15, verse 12 through 15. Jesus says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. For there's no greater love than to lie down one's life for one's friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you're my friends since I have told you everything that the Father has told me. So how can we even hope to follow Christ's example of no greater love? Love each other, right? Okay, that's all I got. You guys have a good week. Like I said, it's never as simple as it seems. That is the first part, love each other. Well, I can do that. That's, you know, that's pretty easy. But there's more to it. Love each other as I have loved you. Ooh. That's a little harder, isn't it? We can love, quote unquote, love people. But how far am I willing to go with that? Oh, yeah, sure, man. Here's, you need five bucks? Here you go. No problem. Oh, you need a ride to work? Well, here, you can have my keys. Just, just be, be careful. Be careful. Hey, look, man, I know it's cold, but you don't... Okay, here's the shirt off my back. Whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. What, what do you want? You want my life? You just... And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. There's no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends. But let's get real. This is saying, love each other, but oh, well, oh, hold on, hold on. I want you to be prepared to die too. And if we're being honest, you know, if your best friend had a gun to his or her head right now, we'd all like to think that we would be like, I got this. No problem. But really, we'd probably be like, kill him. (laughs) Sorry, and I would, if somebody had a gun to your head, I'd be like, dude, I have two kids. He has one. (laughs) And while we're on the subject of friendship, no. The word friends isn't just describing 
our close-knit group, our best friends. Jesus uses that word friends as a metaphor to describe everyone, kind of like he does with neighbors. Love your neighbor as yourself. He's not just saying, hey, Joe, right next to you, love him, but you don't have to love that other guy down there. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 43 through 48, you have heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives sunlight in both the, to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there in that? Even corrupt tax collectors can do that. And if you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you, and I want special emphasis on this, but you and I are to be what? Perfect. Even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, when I was reading through that verse and studying for this message this week, that specific sentence, boom, hit me right between the eyes. And it got me thinking, how often do we really go out of our way to talk to that person that really, if we're being honest, we don't like for whatever reason? And maybe you're justified in not liking them. Maybe this person lied to you. Maybe this person talked behind your back. Maybe this person swooped in and stole that promotion out from under you. But even so, don't you think we should probably still do as Jesus would do? Should we maybe take that time? Now, I've got a guy that I work with that fits this description. He's not a bad guy. I'm not going to badmouth him. He's, he's not a bad guy, but he's, he's a young kid, and he's one of those kids that life really hasn't kicked him when he's down yet. He really hasn't experienced much of life. And he just has this habit of pushing my buttons. He knows exactly what it takes to just get me hot, right? And God kind of kicked me in the butt this week when I was studying for this because he popped into my head and I was like, oh, come on. I try to avoid him. I just, it makes my life easier if I just avoid him. We'll just, we'll call him Kyle. Call him Kyle. And God said, look, you know who I'm pointing at here. I'm sure right now every one of you has that person in the back of your head that's like, oh, yeah, I wish he wouldn't talk about this. I had to make it a priority in both my prayer life and when I was at work. I just had to make it a priority to be more caring toward him, be more patient with him. And I'm not saying I'm perfect because I'm not. He still irritated me this week. But through God's leadership, his patience, I'm, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Now, Paul, the apostle, not Paul Huff, who's not here today, reminds us in Romans 5, 5 through 11, that we were all once there. We were all once hopeless in our sin, yet God, in his infinite wisdom and mercy, sent Jesus. It's plain as day right there in the scripture. Even though we were still enemies, we weren't considered friends. Even though we were still enemies of God, Jesus laid down his life for us. But that's not even the best part. Because through the shedding of his blood, we're saved. 
Not only that, God reconciles our friendship. So we're now not only saved, but we're not enemies anymore. Now we're considered God's friends. And in that, he gives us a joy that you can't find anywhere else. You can only get that joy from Christ. I was reading through verse 12, and I thought it was kind of funny because I'm bad with analogies, but I like to imagine different things happening as I read through the scriptures. And I would imagine in verse 12, the guys are probably sitting around acting like a bunch of high school jocks. You know, no, my biceps are bigger. No, yours are bigger. And they're arguing about which one of them is the greatest. Now, my Jesus, you guys may not picture Jesus this way, but I picture Jesus kind of standing up, letting them keep talking, and then going, hey, guys, who's the greatest? <laughs> Winning. <laughs> no, he didn't do that, did he? What's he doing instead? He walks over, finds a basin full of water, leans down slowly, and by this point, I'm sure a couple of them are going, dude, what is Jesus doing? And he starts to take off their sandals, and he begins to wash their feet. Now, I don't want anybody touching my feet. And we live in a little better times than they did. I think I need to mention this, that we're not talking about freshly pedicured, clean, nice, if there is such a thing, looking feet. We're talking about, yeah, dude, I just walked 13 hours in the desert through dirt, camel crud, bugs, anything else you can imagine in the most raggedy pair of off-brand Walmart flip-flops imaginable. The best term I can think to describe them is probably funky. But did that bother Jesus? Absolutely not. Instead, he just gets down there and just starts washing away. And also, washing feet, that wasn't the most sought-after job in this time. Actually, even the servants would argue and they would fight on who had to wash the master's feet because it was gross, right? I'm not going to wash anybody's feet. <laughs> it was the lowest of the low. And Jesus jumped right down there and he did it. Do you know why? Because he was teaching the disciples. Even while they were bickering amongst each other, he took that opportunity to get down below their level and teach them about what we've come to coin as servant leadership. If you want to lead, be prepared to serve. So with that being said, would you say that the, that the disciples are his friends? I would. Absolutely. Even in verse 14, it said, you are my friends if you do as I command. And this is where it gets kind of heavy. If it hadn't hit you already, this is where it gets really tough. Kind of sounds like blackmail a little bit. Well, if you do what I command, then yeah, I'll be a friend. What comes to mind for me is there was a little girl when I was in elementary school that would always try to get the boys in trouble. And she would say, if you do this, I'll be your friend. <laughs> and you knew at that point that you were, you were done. You were toast. Or as my little girls like to put it when they don't get their way or I get onto them, and it's usually as they're slamming their door or running down the hall, fine, then you're not my friend anymore. <laughs> Please don't tell me I'm alone in this, parents. <laughs> thank, thank the Lord. It does pass, right? Yeah. Oh, such relief. But now with Jesus, we don't have to worry about Jesus saying, 
I'll be your friend if you do what I command. Uh, well, Lord, I don't really want Fine! Do we? When we see Jesus as Lord, we find him as a friend. I find it really interesting that we can be friends with the creator of the universe. Someone who's so much bigger and greater than us. And he wants to be our friend. Talk about pulling back the velvet rope in the, B, in the VIP section. And according to the Bible, he's not just a friend. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Now, for you, you folks that have siblings, I've never, I don't have any siblings, so I guess I'm blessed and cursed in that respect because I never had to share my toys with anybody. But also, when I got beat up at school, I didn't have an older brother that'd come in and be like, Gah! So it's not blackmail. Shane hit the nail on the head last week when he said when we love someone, we do everything we can to make them proud. And really, that's, that's true if you, if you think about it. We love God, so we, we want to make him proud. We have a desire in our hearts to follow his commands. So it's not blackmail. But as we follow his commands, we're also his friends. And that's pretty cool too. It's kind of like this to break it down in layman's terms. Masters, they give orders. And when they tell you something, they expect you to do it. Friends give reasons. As Jesus told the 12, he said, you guys are my friends because I've told you everything that the Father has told me. Not, you will follow my commandments. You will love each other. A little if. He always gives us a choice. We always have that choice. It's the beauty of free will. You're my friends if you follow my commandments. So now that we know about this no greater love, is that something that we just keep to ourselves? Like here in the church? Is it just something that goes with the church crowd? No, absolutely not. It's for everybody. Well, that being said, take it a step further. How do we show that love? Jesus tells us in John 13, 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I didn't say by the books you've read or by the Bible studies you've been a part of or the small group you're in. Your love for one another will prove. Proof's in the pudding. Wash some feet. Get out there. As cliche as it sounds, I know we haven't used this term in a long time. WWJD, what would Jesus do? I wish I could have found my bracelet and I would have worn my bracelet this morning. We've all got Kyles in our lives or Tabithas for the ladies. We've got them all in our lives. Love the seemingly unlovable. Wash some feet. So how do we follow Christ's example of no greater love? Well, that's pretty simple. We can't. We can't do it on our own. Shane talked about last week how without him we're nothing. And I think that's a point that needs to be reiterated many times over because a lot of times we get, get a little big in our britches and think, oh yeah, we can do that. Sometimes it takes God kicking us in the bum kind of like he did me this week. <laughs> Don't forget, 
Without me, you're nothing. What it comes down to is this. No greater love, it's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's the state of your heart. It's giving up your life for the betterment of someone else. If it, if it was a feeling or an emotion, we'd be toast. There's no way we could ever do that. The bar's just too high for us. Now, I'm not a workout fanatic, but I like to do chin-ups because, you know, I've uh, got such a... Never mind. <laughs> Completely lost. Never mind. But my girls, when I'm out doing chin-ups in the garage or struggling to do chin-ups, I kind of look like a fish when I'm doing them. Like, <sighs> well, the girls always want to get in on it. You know, they're like, hey, Dad, can we do chin-ups too? Sure, you weigh 35 pounds. I'm sure you're going to make me look awesome. But the problem is they can't reach the bar. So the first thing they usually do is hold out their hands and say, all right, pick me up, put me up there. Well, if you guys know me, I'm kind of the devil's advocate sometimes. I'm like, go ahead, find a way up there. You want to do chin-ups so bad, then find a way up there. Lorelai, Lorelai is, she's my comedian because she goes, eh, eh, reaches her hands up as high as she can. It, she thinks if she grunts loud enough, she'll grow. <laughs> like, eh. Bella just looks at me and goes, really, Dad? I, ca I can't do that. My point is this, I have to lift them up there because no matter what they do, no matter how hard they try, they're just physically incapable of reaching that bar. And so are we. We can't possibly live up to Christ's example of no greater love. What we have to do is ask and rely on him to pick us up to that bar. God is awesome because he's willing even though he's so much greater than we are, he's willing to come down to our level to get us up to his. As Christ followers, we have to rely on him. And that's another one of those hard terms, another one of those hard things to do. Love each other and rely on God. I gotta be reminded of that sometimes, and I'm sure you guys do too. When life gets crazy, you've gotta stop. Say, look, God, shit. You've got, you've got everything in control anyway. I rely on you. You're the greatest. You're the best. All right. Sorry. As, as Shane would say, squirrel. <laughs> so we're going to have the band come up here in a minute. And we're going to shut the lights down. Maybe you're sitting out there today and you're thinking, I've never, I don't know anything about that that love that he's talking about. I've never experienced anything like that. Well, I've got great news. We would love to introduce you to Jesus and show you that no greater love. There's going to be some people in the back. Like I said, we're going to shut the lights down because you know, nobody wants to be watched as they're walking back there. I'm self-conscious about it, so... And there's going to be people back there who want to pray with you, answer questions, anything, anything that you need, we'd be willing to do. So as I come up, just be thinking about your prayer work for this week. God, give me your heart to show others no greater love.
and teach me to rely on you to reach the bar.